5403 Productions presents The Strut with Chili, TD, and Info Joe. Strut would not be possible without the generosity of our newest friends of the show. Strut Nation thanks you for your support. Dan Sign Realty, CCU Class of 2001. Dan Sign at Dunes Realty Sales is Realty Done Right. Hanley's Pub, Andrew Hanley, CCU Class of 2002, the official pub of the Strut Podcast and is located in Carolina Forest. We will CCU at your local pub, Hanley's in Carolina Forest. Dr. David Turner, Doctor of Chiropractic, CCU Class of 1997 of Impact Chiropractic. He's been practicing in Conway for 20 years. Dr. Turner believes in a proactive, wellness-based approach to achieving optimal health and function for the entire family. At Impact Chiropractic, we work hard to grow healthy kids rather than fixed, damaged adults. Bob Baldwin, CCU Class of 2011. When you think coastal and your marketing needs, Think Coastal Marketing. Go see Bob Baldwin at Coastal Marketing. Coastal Marketing is the official merchandise supporter of the Strut Podcast. Strut Nation. Gear up for this season at the Strut Store. At the Strut Store, you can find koozies, mugs, shirts, tailgating and game day supplies and so much more. The Strut Store will allow you to customize merchandise any way you want. Just visit www.zazzle.com slash store slash the strut store.com and shop away with weekly discounts. There's an easy way to support Coastal Carolina's source for Sean and Clear Athletics. That's Zazzle dot com slash store slash the strut store to support the strut while there don't forget to follow the store for updates discount information and notifications when new items are available www.zazzle.com slash store slash the strut store is your source for the strut merchandise come by and see us today TD, Info Joe, Teal Nation, Strut Nation. Welcome to 54 minutes of the Brooks at Night, Rich Rod going to be in for a fight, victorious at home, and that's going to be all right. Little Gamecocks flogged, CCU escaped the smog, 1-0 this week. The worst Girl Scout cookies are Tagalog, 
Joe, I needed a rhyme there. Interceptions and sacks. Gamecock's teeth got plaque. I should stop relaxing and relax, but I'm practicing safe syntax. Two, three, four, hut. You're listening to TD and two other guys on the strut. This week's episode, Tyler, brought to you by the Alumni Association, is Rich Rod and a Diet Gamecocks. <laughs> TD, you what? can't see if you're watching this on the YouTube channel. You can't. We're, we're back to incognito TD this week. No, he's man. He's in witness. He's in witness protection. He's oh. in witness protection. No, is that, is that because I'm wearing our new merch that just came hot off the, the line? The, the, from merch Bob shadow, the merch is shadowing and your face. The new merch is shadowing the face. The new Heather Gray Richardson 112 strutty hat that also has a sister hat or brother hat in black with a teal strutty. Again, also Richardson 112. They will be available for sale starting tonight and will be with me at the tailgate this weekend. We also have some ladies' fitness tees and some decal stickers in process. Again, Bob Baldwin down there at Coastal Marketing, alum, man, very, very grateful. Really cool story. Gave him the first hat off the line. And, uh, gentlemen, he said, I've actually never been given a product of somebody I've sponsored before. He goes, this is the first time. And I went, Bob, you're family, buddy. You're a strutty. You're a strutty and a, and, and a Shauna Clear for life, man. So, again, Big shout-out to Bob and, and Coastal Marketing and all our sponsors, which I know uh, we have on before the show and we'll talk about during the show. But, gentlemen, welcome, welcome. How was your week that was? Joe, I'm excited to listen. I know that that we didn't come back with a W, but I look forward to listening about your experience at the Rose Bowl. But until that moment, gentlemen, how was your week? It's been a long week. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. As we record this thing on Thursday post-UCLA, it was a fun trip. hate that we didn't get the win, but we saw – you know, part of the world. I saw a part of the world that I've never seen before, Los Angeles. And, you know, the San Gabriel Mountains there got to broadcast a game from maybe the most uh, iconic, historic place in all of college football. You know, I mean, it was, a, it was a fun it was a fun trip. It was a long trip out there and back. You know, I didn't get back until about 8 o'clock Sunday night. Got to see the Braves and the Dodgers on Friday night with the broadcast crew. That was a lot of fun. It was great to see so much teal out there. My goodness, they were making noise in that end zone. Holy cow. You know, when we had things going our way in that game, they made their presence felt. They made their presence known, and it was a lot of fun. But uh, glad to be back. Hate that we didn't get the win, but it was a lot of fun. And looking forward to this week. Yeah, it's a home opener, guys. I mean, it's um, it's a night game, Joe. So you got that going for you. Uh, yeah, and night time is the nice. right time. So, Joe, let me ask you this question about that particular, because you know, you and I we agree hundred percent on the time of the game and kickoff and whatnot. Of course. If it's a seven thirty kickoff, like it will be this week. It's a ten thirty kickoff last week, Eastern time. What will we call that? Is it like late night with Joe Cashin? I mean, what are we what are we gonna call that one? No, th- th- this is this is the one I don't know what you'd call that one. I mean, we didn't walk out of the stadium until three o'clock Eastern. It was midnight when we walked out of the Rose Bowl to try to make our way back to the Weston. I mean, it was just you know, and, and I can't, I can't, yeah, you know, my, my body shuts down. We're about 10 minutes to nine o'clock on Thursday night. I'm not long for bed here. So you think about, you know, tacking on three hours out there. You know, th- this will be a cake, this will be a cakewalk here, really. I mean, it'll still be late, but it won't be late like it was last week. So, Chili, mm-hmm. I have the perfect, perfect title for his late night 
game calling on the West Coast. Coast to coast with Cashin. Oh. Okay. Like yeah. It would be an AM station though, like 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 9:40 AM. Post well, it'd be AM because Joe likes the morning better anyway. That's why he would really be on AM. I was wondering if you were going no to catch question. that. <laughs> no question. No so question. If we were doing radio, like Joe would be the morning show, TD, you'd be midday, and I'd be like the late night show. Is that how that would work mm -hmm. out for us? You'd be the late night guy, that's for sure. I'm, I'm going to get up with a cup of coffee, and let's get this thing started. And by noon, <laughs> by noon o'clock, you know, we're going to wind this thing down. So you have your morning Joe with Joe. That's you it. have your midday with TD, and then you'd have your late night with Chili, chilling down at late late night. You know, so I like it, gentlemen. I like it. Chili in the evening. Chili in the e ooh, there you go. Nice, very nice. Well, gentlemen, gentlemen, let's get into it a little bit, man. Um, the week that was in the Sun Belt, the week that was at Coastal. Again, we are recording this Thursday night. We typically will uh, record it on Wednesday, drop it on Thursday. So we're going to record Thursday, drop it on Friday. But uh, um. Jill, I think we start with the belt first, and then we go. Is that correct? We're I back think to our we normal go reflections again. of the previous week because I really wanted to hear Joe some more right. Rose Bowl stuff. Like I, you put some pictures out, and yeah. if y'all haven't seen it yet, Joe, there was one picture I have to ask you about. I think you might know what it is. You and I share an affinity for football announcers, mm -hmm. and as you were walking by the broadcast booth, that sign on the broadcast booth, I thought it was a, it was a door, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. that was the Keith Jackson broadcast booth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Tell me all about like, you know, broadcasting from the Rose Bowl. Probably a once in a lifetime experience. You know, I mean, it was, it was just phenomenal. When we pulled up on Friday afternoon, we actually get, when we flew into Long Beach, we had to bus up to the Rose Bowl, had to go kind of, we went south of LA and then up to Pasadena. We actually got a, a police escort, California Highway Patrol. We had Ponch and John out there, you know, among Hips. others out, you know, oh, yeah, Hips. the tips. Chips, they, they took we us up chips. to the Rose Bowl, and it was a nice sunny day. You can see the San Gabriel Mountains. There's a big statue of Keith Jackson right out in front of the stadium, too. And I, I don't know that I've posted that one. I don't know that Whoa, that, one may not, that, that may not be on the on the, uh, on the the old social. But, uh, yeah, they built a new broadcast center, kind of like a sixth floor up on top of the side of the stadium that we were on. And it was nice. I mean, it was, it was nice, you know, I mean, as you would expect it to be. They had old pictures of Keith Jackson. You know, broadcasting games. They had one of him standing there interviewing Bear Bryant. I mean, and some others back in the day. It was it was really neat. I mean, Keith Jackson is the college football announcer of all time, and and no no better place to to honor him and, and to you know build something in his name than there at the Rose Bowl. I mean, he had he probably you know, and, and from what I've seen in my lifetime of watching college football, the the Rose Bowl with Texas and USC, that might be the best game. Best single individual effort from Vince Young that I've ever seen in a college football game. Still to this day. I mean, I was almost, what, you know, 16, 17 years ago, and that was his last call, right? So it was a lot of fun. It was really neat to be there. And, and you know, again, probably a once-in-a-lifetime deal. So hate that it's over. Hate that it didn't go, it didn't go our way. But, uh, boy, was it fun. Joe, it's Rose Bowl is 101 years old this year. Do you have any sense of, like, the age of the place? Was, did it look old or was it like yeah. – yeah, well, it's taken it, care it, of, but old or it, it's an old place. I mean, you you can kind of walk around through the lower bowl and you can see seats there that, that that have been there a while, and you know that they've been there. In fact, I sat down on Saturday afternoon. I went down to the field and got a couple of shots with my little Bucky's football that I took out there, and you know, put that up on top of the goalpost and got a little Bucky shot. You know, Bucky's at the Rose Bowl, and then I started kind of walking through the 
the lower bowl and sat down in one of those seats. And it's an, it's an old place. They're old. You know, the seats are old, but I mean, you know, it is what it is. It's an iconic place. I mean, so many memories of a lot of different sporting events there, you know, not just college football, but you know, world cup soccer and super bowls and whatnot, you know, just, just, just an unbelievable place. It, it is, it is old, but Hey, I'd go back in a minute if we could play there again. That's awesome. That's well, really Joe, awesome. I'm, I'm interested to I'm interested to hear not only about the experience there, but ultimately, you know, if we reflect back on the game a little bit again, it didn't go our way. We can we can highlight this again. Normally on Wednesdays, now it's on Thursday. So, you know, this game's been picked apart by all the armchair quarterbacks, and it's been yeah. picked apart by by social media. So for us, you know, I know with our studies, they want to hear some of the analytic pieces from what you saw in the headset, from what I saw inside the helmet, Chili, what you saw as well. So, I'd love for you to tee off. Uh, to y'all first, you have honors since you were there. Tell us, tell us what you heard, thought, felt, saw, and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, I mean, I won't take too long with this because by the time, you know, obviously when we are recording this on a Thursday night, I mean, this thing has been hashed and rehashed. And, you know, if you heard the Tim Beck radio show on Tuesday night, he and I sat down and we talked about it, talked in length about what happened. And, you know, basically we just didn't quite make enough plays. I mean, we were right there with that team. For 60 minutes. I mean, mm -hmm. we didn't we didn't come out, you know, like we were in awe of anything, like we were just wowed by the moment. I mean, UCLA took the opening kickoff and went and scored and made it look easy. Yeah. I mean, that, that's just what they did, right? Then we got the ball and went back and put together a nice long drive. Unfortunately, we didn't get points out of that. And that that was kind of the theme of the night. I mean, you know, either we're kicking field goals or we're just not converting, putting the ball in the end zone, right? I mean, we we had to mm -hmm. do that. And then, you know, UCLA takes the ball back down. And then, you know, Clayton Isbell, who's one of our new safeties, one of our new DBs, I mean, about three picks, he comes up with one in the end zone. And I thought that was the first turning point in the game. Because I felt like it kind of slowed them down a little bit. And they, you know, they, I think their quarterback, Ethan Garbers, lost a little bit of confidence there. You know, he tried to fit one in there. And, you know, there was, Is, Is, Isbell was ready to, you know, to pick that thing. And from that point on, really until the fourth quarter, I felt like, you know, we kind of were on very even ground with them or even had control. We, I know we had control in the third quarter, right? We're down 14-6 at halftime. Yeah. We're feeling pretty good. You know, we're one score down. We're right in this thing. We're able to move the ball. We're finally able to stop them a little bit after their first couple of drives. Got them off the field. We absolutely own the third quarter. Twelve and a half minutes of possession time there. You know, cut it to one with that touchdown to Sam Pinckney, who had just a phenomenal game. You know, Grayson had a great game hanging in there. He got banged around a lot, but he hung around and made a bunch of completions the other night. We're going to the fourth quarter looking at each other like, you know, in the booth, like we're winning this game. I mean, our people are making noise. We've got the momentum. We're feeling pretty good. We've got the ball on the plus 50 coming out. We're going to we're gonna score this thing. we got third and short. We're going to go. We're going to convert this, and we're going to score, and we're going to, you know, we're going to take this thing. Unfortunately, yeah. that's not the way it worked out. You know, we tried a field goal on fourth down after we didn't pick up the third, and then, you know, they, they get it at the, they get it at the 38. Great opportunity for their big-time five-star to take a deep shot. You know, Chip Kelly, offensive guy, he's going to go for a kill shot, and boy, did he ever. And that quarterback, you know, he, I, clearly they're no, clearly QB1 for them. <laughs> you yeah. know, I don't think you're going to see anybody else the rest of the year as long as this guy stays upright. He yeah, goes, no question that. Right down the field, 62 yards, and I thought that was the second big turning point of, of the game. It, it you know right there where they took an eight point lead again. Then you know it was either that or we come out and you know we go three downs and out and have to punt right after that. One of the that was kind of like the what you know eventually 
put them in control and, and they went on the you know the 27 13 win but our guys acquitted themselves very well i'm encouraged by what i saw on defense we got some guys mm-hmm. over there our top four tacklers are all new guys yeah. you know we attacked i mean we we did some really good things offensive line i, I thought our, t- our two tackles played you know, were the best you know zovon Lindsay and nick you know nick del grande they graded out the highest in this game in you know, interior-wise, we, we have some things to fix, but, I mean, I think, you know, we're going to get there. Offensive line will will get better. I don't think they'll face a better defensive front all year, quite frankly. I mean, those guys, mm-hmm. I mean, that you know, Leatu Latu is an NFL guy, no question. Yeah. He's going to be he's going to be a, he's going to be a high draft pick, that kid, off the edge. You know, Jay Toya, their, their, their nose in there, he, he caused problems. But, uh, you know, all in all, I thought we played well, just didn't quite make enough plays, didn't score enough in the red zone. Hopefully we'll fix that this week. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and the dovetail in to just add a little bit from inside the helmet, not too much, but they did exactly what, you know, we had talked about from the standpoint of, you know, classic Chip Kelly offense. They're going to run some mesh routes. They're going to run some fly routes. They're going to get guys to the corner. You know, we didn't know, you know, again, from what we talked about last week, from a defensive perspective, that guy was new, right? He was new to college. He was an analyst. He was – you know, on NFL squads, but he had never called a game, right, in college. So, you know, our offensive concepts and our offensive approach, that had – there was some unknown there. So, for me, my takeaway was this, Joe. We went toe-to-toe, like you said, with a what I feel is going to be a top 25 team at the end of the year, one of the top two or three teams in the Pac-12. Uh, I think you, people will be surprised pending injury, right, pending injury. They're going to be one of the top two or three teams in the, in, in the Pac-12. They're going to be a top 25 team. At the end of this year, um, what I saw was what we talked about in one of our two preseason podcasts were what I noticed in practice. We were bigger, stronger, faster. You know, outside of a handful of plays, we were never manhandled, right? We were not pushed around, if you will. Uh, There was a handful of plays, yes. But even, you know, the only thing I saw, too, was, um, you know, offensively, Grayson hung in there. I mean, you look at the stats. I know we don't do a whole lot of stats anymore like we used to when we first came on, but you look down the stat columns, total yards, pass yards, you know, first downs, third downs, time of possession. We're equal to or better than them in those different segmentations. So, to your point, Joe, we own the third quarter. We own the momentum. Again, the touchdown with the three and out, that was a big pen, you know, pendulum swing in that game. And we recovered a little bit, but we never recovered fully. We just couldn't materialize any points within the red zone. We were outweighed by 30 pounds across the line of two inches in height. For some saying it shouldn't matter. It does. But was it interesting, Joe, in Chile, did y'all notice though in the third quarter, that was when we started. Now, granted, we only had 56 yards of rushing, but you have to take out about the fact that there were 34 yard, 30 to 40 yards taken away from uh, tackles for loss. But we started to establish and lean on that one thing I want to make sure we take away from this was we leaned on UCLA in the third quarter. Did y'all notice that there were a couple drives where we were pushing them off the line? We were leaning on them. I was not shocked, but I was pleasantly surprised that we leaned like literally we were pushing them back two, three, four yards. We had not done that in the first half. I was proud to see that of our guys defensively. That is the most aggressive, athletic multi-concept that I've seen us probably in a better part of a decade. And I'm not kidding you. That that was just 
we had dudes, Joe, to your point, they were dudes playing good ball outside of the look, we had two, we had two big plays. And I'm I'm I want to wrap it up with this. We made their quarterbacks not their quarterbacks were not able to hit their primary or secondary targets. Their quarterbacks had to hit their third, fourth, and on that scramble play that was big down our sideline in the first half, Joe, Chili. That was the fourth option on a scramble drill that he threw a dime. And you got to give credit where credit's due. You take your hat off, you tip it. And then the big play after the field goal, the field goal try and miss. They just got us in the right coverage, man. They got us in the right coverage. We didn't have a good technique on that. We didn't have good positioning on that. It just happens. But outside of that one big play, they didn't have, like, massively big plays, right? They didn't get a ton of chunk yards. They were swinging the ball a lot. And for those that listen, when a quarterback has to swing a ball a lot, that means he's gone through his entire progression most likely depending on the – again, depending on the play call. But four times out of five, nine times out of ten, that means that quarterback has gone through every single – progression in that concept and had to dump it off to an athlete so the fact that they were doing that a lot tells me our guys were in position and joe to your point garbers the one thing i was excited about when we brought the old double barrel blitz down the a gap and we popped that boy two or three times after that one time that i think it was bruce was a bruce got him and absolutely smoked him i mean put him flat back the very next two or three passes he was a little bit hesitant. He was a little bit hesitant. So my takeaways are this. We're going to be okay. All right. My takeaways are these last four pieces right here, and I'm I'm done with it. One was we went toe-to-toe to top 25 team in the Pac-12. Once we clean up our O-line protection, we're going to be fine. We have built a defense very quickly, and we have concepts that are going to be very, very – well aligned for our ability to be aggressive the next 11 games. Here's the last thing, boys, and it's going to feed right into where we're going next. Can we reflect, learn, and develop, and also leave that game in the past? Because Jacksonville State is a very, very good team. They are a JMU-esque team right now. They have talent and ability like JMU did last year in their first or technically their second year of transition. So they're going to be a good team. We'll get to that later, but they're going to be a real good team. Their quarterback's good. Receivers are good. We'll, we'll talk about that. But, Chili, any final thoughts couple, on the game? I got a couple of thoughts here. Now, I'm not going to read through a lot of stats, um, but I do want to say this, that I've noticed some things that stand out to me when it comes to this particular game. First off, Coastal had more total passing yards than UCLA in the Rose Bowl. Coastal had 289, UCLA had 264. The other thing that stands out to me about this game is penalties. Coastal had three for 45 yards. UCLA had eight for 55 yards. And I don't recall, Joe TD, correct me, I don't remember the series, but there was a time where UCLA had a couple of false starts or neutral zone infractions right there, maybe second quarter. So there was something I want to hang our hat on, that we didn't go to the Rose Bowl and just totally fall apart when it comes out. We played disciplined football. And the last thing I want to point out in terms of like just number stuff is time of possession, Coastal 34 minutes, 50 seconds, UCLA 25 minutes, 10 seconds. That's to me going to the Rose Bowl to play UCLA. That's three things we can hang our hat on going forward. That that's fundamental stuff. We're, we're throwing the ball better than a, a perceived power five team out of the Pac-12 or what's going to be left of it. 
time of possession, we controlled it, and we had fewer penalties. I think we can go uh, forward working with those things. And I'm going to make this the subject of my first blog that comes out, Joe and TD. And it's basically just uh, two questions that I'm going to hinge it on, and I'm, we can go ahead and Jacksonville State after this. First question I'm going to pose to Teal Nation, Strut Nation, and everybody else is, how can we as a fan base be upset about not getting an upset? And the second thing I mm. want to talk about going into this, that my first blog that comes out about this post-UCLA pre-Jack State is, that's a mighty big ask for a first-time head coach to pack up your things and move to Beverly and hang out with the hillbillies out in, in Hollywood. So, guys, my thing is that's a big ask for a first-time head coach to go out to UCLA, play in the historic Rose Bowl, and then give me an upset. So, as a fan, I'm going to tell Teal Nation and Strut Nation it's going to be okay. Yeah, and before we wrap up this UCLA talk, I want to you know absolutely agree with you on that. I mean, we're all disappointed to lose the game. I mean, there's no question about that. There are no moral victories. You go there to mm -hmm. win, and we had a golden right. opportunity to win. We really did. I mean, in the third quarter going to the fourth, as we transitioned into the last period, rounding third-headed for home, uh, we all, again, looked at each other and said, we're winning this game. Yeah, we didn't win the game. Somebody wins, somebody loses. There are two good teams on the field trying to win. Kudos to them because you know they they got the victory. But I did want to you know just point out a few guys that uh, I, I thought played well on the you know, defensive side of the ball. I mentioned that four new guys led us in tackles in this ball game. You know our leading tackler was Isbell with three picks. He was the Sun Belt Defensive Player of the Week. You know nine tackles, three picks. Had Keontae Lusk had seven tackles. Michael Mason who had a quarterback hurry on one of those interceptions. He had seven tackles. Alan Henry was very active defensively also in on the interior. Five tackles. You know, Jaquan Griffin had four. You know, Juan Powell from East Carolina had seven tackles. You know, at that that you know that rover, that nickel kind of guy. Uh, so yeah, those guys really play. Shane Bruce had had a, a quarterback curry, as you mentioned. TD that that forced an interception. Had another mm -hmm. big hit elsewhere too. You know, Evan Crenshaw did a nice job in the punting game. He flipped the field a couple of times for us there. Yes, in, he did. In, yes, in he the, did in, in the special teams, and so. You know, we had some guys who really stood out and did some good things. And Grayson's 27 completions were a career high for him, believe it or not. So, and he had to throw it a lot because, you know, as you pointed out, it was hard to get a running game going, even though we kind of did that in the third quarter. Couldn't get anything established consistently, quarters one through four. But hopefully, you know, against a, a stout Jack State defense, we can, uh, we can turn that around this week. Are we ready to slide into Jacksonville State now? Yeah. Before we do so, TD, it's Jacksonville State. Jackson State was where Coach Prime was before Colorado. I know. I know. Okay. So uh, Jacksonville State, TD, in informational nexus of automotive everything, Joe. Automotive. <laughs> Jacksonville State enters our contest 2-0. They have wins over UTEP and East Tennessee State. Coming to us from Conference USA, a little history. They were founded in 1883. The motto, TD, you'll like this. Jacksonville State prides itself on being the friendliest campus in the South. When you look for famous grads, you'll have Eric Davis, former defensive back in the NFL, and lead singer of the band Alabama, Mr. Randy Owen. TD, there you go. Uh also, TD, you'll like this. Their mascot's name is Cocky. 
Oh. How creative is that? Um, so it, it, interestingly enough, they'll play the other cocky later on down the line this year, too. They are, yeah, that's they play true. them later that. this year. I think they play them before Clemson, if I remember correctly. Yes, I think. And a couple of things just to highlight as far as some of their stat leaders, and I'll turn it back over to you two. Uh, Logan Smothers, one quarterback, he has uh, 13 of 17 so far for 127 yards and one touchdown. They have another quarterback listed with some stats. Zion Webb, 10 of 21 for 67 yards. Leading rusher, Malik Jackson, he has 176 yards, two touchdowns. Leading receiver is a running back, Ron Wiggins, four catches for 38 yards. Leading tackler is uh, safety, last name is Harris, 15 tackles. They have four total team interceptions, and then they have four other guys, either has one or one and a half sacks coming into the game against the good guys in Brook Stadium Saturday night. Joe, do you want to go to the inside of the headset first? Before yeah, I go I'll, inside the helmet? yeah I'll, I'll take a look at, you know, Chili mentioned the quarterbacking situation. Logan Smothers got the start last week because Zion Webb was apparently out with illness, and, and you know, they didn't know that until Saturday morning. Zion Webb has made 42. He's played 42 career games for them at quarterback. So, I mean, he, he has mm -hmm. been the guy for the last several years. He's got some big-time numbers coming into this season. Now, he only went 10 of 21 for 67 yards and one touchdown in their win against UTEP, 55 rushing yards in that game too. So, yeah, I, I would I would think that he probably will start on Saturday night, but probably we'll see both of these guys. I mean, because Smothers is a Nebraska kid. He played three seasons at Nebraska for Scott Frost. He was four-star coming out of high school. So, I mean, that guy's got some talent. Uh, some, a couple of things that really kind of jump out at you as you look at their first two ball games. Um, again, they went nine and two last season. They were the A-Sun champs. Um, that running back Malik Jackson that you mentioned is eighth in the FBS right now in rushing, you know, two games in 176 yards. So that guy mm -hmm. can run the football. Jackson, Jacksonville state leads the country in turnovers gained with seven. They force seven turnovers in two games. They have yet to turn it over themselves. So they're plus seven in two ball games. They are seven for seven in the red zone. And all seven of those touchdowns are on the, all seven are touchdowns and they're on the ground scores. So they have scored seven times on the ground in seven trips to the red zone in their first two ball games. Now, I'm not sure there's a whole lot you can really glean from East Tennessee State, but that UTEP win's a good one. That's, that's a good win for them. You know, to come up to FBS, like Travis said, you know, when, when this game materialized on the schedule, I think a lot of people were thinking, ah, you know, first-year FBS, Jacksonville State. Uh, uh -uh. You, you're mm -hmm. thinking that you're going to mm -hmm. be wrong, I promise you, because they've got guys that can play. They've got an established you know, head coach in Richrod who only has 174 wins as a, as a head coach. He's coached at Michigan, West Virginia, and Arizona. The guy's been around. You know, he was Terry Bowden's OC for a couple of years at ULM. So, you know, he will have these guys ready on Saturday night. Make no mistake about it. They've got talent. They can play. Our guys, you know, we we hopefully have gotten back, have gotten the, you know, the, the jet lag out. You know, Coach Beck said they had a great practice on Tuesday before the, before the radio show. Hopefully that's continued the rest of the week. So do not underestimate or take these guys in any sort of way lightly. I promise you they're going to come ready to play. Yeah, Joe, and again, I, you know, Going inside the helmet, uh, as I did last week against UCLA. Look, thank you for that. Hey, again, for those that are listening, Teal Nation Strutties, you better take this team with the same 
level of athleticism, the same level of culture that JMU has. As much as I can't stand JMU and their bleeping head coach, which we'll get to them later in the later in the year. All right. Anyways, I'm, I'll take a breath on that one because I can't wait for you App State in that game. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Anyways, to get to the point, so here's their offense. Their offense is a tempo RPO. It's a classic Rich Rod offense. Um, Zion Webb, to Joe's point, he's a seventh-year quarterback, if I remember correctly. And I'm not kidding. I think he's got he's played. This is like his seventh year. It's eligibility plus medical red shirt plus um, gray shirt plus COVID. But he's a mobile dual-threat quarterback. He's not as accurate 15 yards and beyond. So, to Joe's point, thank you, Joe, for teeing that up for me. Sterling uh, Galban there is one of their more consistent playmakers. He's a kid that he kind of reminds you of um, Jared Brown a little bit. They can kind of move him around from the backfield to like an H-back, to a slot, to a wide out. So, look for Sterling uh, uh, Galban, who's one of their receivers. Joe mentioned their running back. He's in the top ten in the country right now in rushing. Again, their first game was UTEP. Very respectful. UTEP had a good good year last year. Got a good team this year. Played East Tennessee State, FCS team. Um, the one thing that I'll say is, too, and then is offensively, this is where we transition. Offensively, um, we have to make him get into situations, uh, be it Webb. We have to get him into – longer than intermediate throws. And for those that don't know, remember, intermediate throws are anything beyond 12 to 15 yards, right? You break you break the field up in thirds, and then you break it up from roughly uh, 10 yards into and, and the line of scrimmage to, to 10 to 20 and then 20 beyond. So the intermediate area, once you get beyond the intermediate area, he gets, he gets very inaccurate very quickly. Um, defensively, there are multiple fronts. Um, they'll rush seven, eight. Drop seven or eight. They have even and odd fronts. Uh, typically have one to two, three high safeties. Um, they'll go zero coverage a good bit. Um, again, their their intensity starts with their front seven. Here's a little piece of information, though, for you folks from South Carolina. Their defense coordinator is on the short list as a top-tier G5, mid-tier P5 school. His name is Zach Alley. He has deep ties to Clemson. He was a student assistant in the G8 Clemson. Guess who he studied under for those four years? Then was an analyst and then a GA under. That's right, Brett Venables. If you've seen a Brett Venables defense, think he 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 calls a game the same way. He has the same intensity. He's a sharp dude. Sharp dude, I'm telling you. Um, they're going to be in multiple fronts, multiple coverages. Um, they like a good bear front. They like a good um, three with the eagle. We kind of kind of flexed out our spur. That's kind of a thing now, especially with RPO offenses. You're going to see a lot of that that we're going to talk about. But for us, you know that that's going to be a key when they're when they're in defense. We have to establish Joe. To your point, we didn't do that at UCLA early enough. Once we establish the run, the play action will be there because we can use their aggressiveness against them. They'll get into zero coverage. They'll get into too high so we can attack the intermediate, which Grayson did exceptionally well versus UCLA. I mean, you go back and look at that film. How many times did he hit the middle third of the field? And holy hell, that's not a cuss word, Chili, but holy hell, we threw more screen passes in that game versus UCLA than we've thrown the last five years combined. And it worked. Some worked, some didn't. A lot of it was timing, but we'll get it down. Um, my keys are this. Establish run, play action later, 
pick up where we left off in L.A. from a pass attack perspective. Defensively, if we can keep Webb in the pocket and force him, force him to be an accurate passer, dividends we paid with turnovers. Um, also, you know, uh, late blitzes, corner blitzes, things like that. If we can get to him late, make him stay in the pocket, then get to him late, it'll put him in some unique pressure if he plays. If the kid from Nebraska plays, he's more of an accurate passer, but no disrespect to East Tennessee State. Um, they didn't have athlete to athlete in that game. So it's a real hard, again, please don't, I'm not taking anything away from that young man, but UTEP's athletes were a lot better than ETC, ETSU's athletes. So going off the web right now, to Joe's point, I think they're going to play two. They may have some um, moments. I don't, I don't like saying packages, but they'll have moments where they're like, hey, we're going to have a scripted drive here and a scripted drive there, see what they offer us and see which kid can can go with it. But in my humble opinion, I think Webb is going to get – he's going to tote the, he's going to tote the water most of the game for them. But keep him in the pocket, make it be an accurate passer, establish the play action early, and then – Points off turnovers, man. Those are those are some real quick key factors that I've seen just in my time of watching UTEP, ETSU, in a couple games last year that Webb Web, Web played significant time in. Again, they were playing against FCS talent, but the concepts are the same. I don't care if it's North Dakota State or if it's Alabama. They're going to run the same concepts on offense and defense. Just a couple of other defensive numbers. To I, I wanted to mention these uh, a few minutes ago. Defensively, they only allow 284 yards a game. They allow opponents four. Uh, they've allowed their first two opponents four of 23. Four of 23 on third down conversions. That's 17%. We were 50% in the Rose Bowl, eight of 16, and nine of 18 overall for conversion downs. And so, you know, and again, they forced you know seven turnovers in two games. So we got to score in the red zone. You know, you know to everything you said. TD, we got to score in the red zone. We got opportunities. Got to score in the red zone. Field, field goals. Field goals are nice, you know, when you're up big and, you know, points are not a premium. When points are at a premium, you got to put the pill in the box. Got to score touchdowns. Chicks dig long balls. Chicks dig touchdowns. Oh, there that's you just it. it, baby. Hey, that's chili. That's what keeps the teal well, I've got nothing to add to that. In the teal seats. <laughs> that's what keeps it. <laughs> I just wanted to add one more thing to it is – um, all-time series, Jacksonville State leads the all-time series 1-0. We lost there in 2016, 27-26. So, I mean, I know those guys that are on the team now were not there probably for that, but at the same time, it's just a – this is a team we've never beaten before. You hey, know, here's the other thing. I was, let, let me let me inject this real quick. Do, do you know that game was the rise of Tyler Keene? Tyler Keene, one of the more underrated quarterbacks that we've ever had, had to come into that ball game when we lost our we lost two quarterbacks for the season and for their careers. We never saw them again. Third mm -hmm. game of 2016, Josh Stilley started the year for us, had a shaky opener against Lamar. Of course, we were all shaky after the plane ride to get out there, but he really settled down in the second game, and he was like 7 of 11 for 100-something yards against Jacksonville State in the first half, hit Bruce Mapp with a big one. He was looking good. And then he, you know, gets his knee wrenched in a in a scrum going for a, a football on the ground, a fumble football, out for the year, and he never played another down for us. He graduated coastal, but that was it for him. And then Avery McCall, we had a McCall before the McCall, right? If you remember that kid, he came mm -hmm. from Dillon. He was just a phenomenal talent. He suffered a he he came in the game went two of two, and then had suffered a wrist injury in that game that you know Jeff Pounds told me, you know, our longtime trainer. He had never seen anything like it. He suffered something on his wrist, and he was out for the year. And 
He transferred after that, so we lost those two guys. Tyler Keene came in, walk-on kid, left-handed kid, undersized kid, not a big arm for Myrtle Beach High School, and for two years held down the fort. And it all started in that game at Jacksonville State. He was really good in that game, and all, we almost won it. You know, that's interesting. You know, we played them in our first transitional year. No. Yes. Second transitional. Yes. First, no, first. You're right. First. Yes. 2016 first. transitional first. year. And, and here we are playing them in their second transitional year. So, interesting enough, the dynamic. Maybe we can return the favor of transitional year wins. But here's the other piece of this. Again, not to overstate it. Do not take this team lightly. In my humble opinion, they, along with Sam Houston, will push, will push Liberty for the Conference USA Championship. I'm telling you, you mark my words, they will push. I didn't say they would win it. They will push them this year. They will be one of those top two or three, four teams in that conference. I get it. The conference isn't that good. But in time, Liberty will face Jacksonville State and or Sam Houston State more often in that conference title game um, and potentially Middle Tennessee State as well because they're a lot better. Though there's, there's your top four in that conference. Man, well, Western and, Kentucky's going to have something to say too. Uh, that's good. true. Fair point. Fair point. Hey, and don't forget this is a family affair Saturday night too, Travis and Joe. Yeah, so I I, I text our uh, – just, you know, again, you know, just – I like to say this. I, I just texted just that – I said, hey, Coach Trickett, what are your thoughts on, you know, the the first of two Trickett Bowls? I said, um, <laughs> I said, is, is this is this pretty important? He said, uh, if I could only say it, I would. But yes, it is pretty uh, daggummit important. Um, that, that's all. I'm I'm a lightly clean it up. But uh, he uh, he he did. He said he was excited. His dad is the O-line coach. Is that correct? Is his dad is the O-line coach at Jacksonville State? That is correct. But correct, Chip, correct, yes. Yeah, and his brother's the O-O-C O-line O.C. Marshall. So, but he did. I texted him. He said he's excited, man. He really is. Um, uh, so it's uh, it'll be a, a little bit of a family reunion. But uh, he said no talking this week. Want to know? Want to know? No talking to dad this week. He goes, I love him. I miss him, but no talking. We don't talk this week. <laughs> there should be a tricket trophy. There should be a tricket trophy. There should be a tricket trophy. I should text him and ask him. Say, what is what is? Is there a tricket trophy? And if uh, Strut Nation, if you missed that when we had Travis Trickett on here a few months back, he mentioned his relationship. You know, father and brother both coaching and seeing him on the schedule this week. So if you want to go back and check out that episode, he goes in depth about the family uh, tree, Joe and TD, and talks about everything that he. Um, his history, all that good stuff, and he mentions those relationships, and it was a really cool episode, too, to go back and, and rehash that one. So it's a lot of good information that Travis Trickett shared with us that evening, and I invite you to go back and check it out because he does talk about dad and brother and and seeing them this year, and, and they both come to Conway, which is even cooler, I think. They should, hey, we should do a poll question. Since one's a Gamecock, one's a Shauna Clear, and one's a Thundering, Thundering Herd, Herd, we should ask our, our, our the Strutties, what is the Tricket Trophy? What should be the Tricket Trophy? We'll have to do it by reply. I have no poll options on that. I'm just going to put it out there, Joe and TD. What should be the Tricket? What should be the Tricket Trophy? 
Well, I, I, I reached out to him. I said, hey, do you guys have a Trickett trophy? He hasn't responded yet, but we'll see. Good deal. Are we okay on Jacksonville State, guys? I think we are, man. Yes. We're going to so, go around the belt here? Is that what yeah, we're Yeah, let's go around the belt. But before we go around the belt, I want to point something out about our first trip around the belt. Now, if you listened last episode, last week, we went through all 14 games, and we made our selections. All three of us went 10-4 and four last week. So right now, Strut Podcast standings, there's a three-way tie for first place, guys. This is exciting right out of the box. <laughs> three-way tie for first. We should have some kind of trophy or something for winning this. Look, we'll come up with something. We'll think about something. Oh, hey. I don't think I don't think Trav would uh be too upset about he I, I so I texted him. I said, Hey, is there a tricket trophy? He said, Man, there needs to be one. Uh he said the loser should have to pay for the winner's dinner on the family vacation. Um, interesting fact too. Rich Rod was his his quarterback coach at West Virginia. So not only is he playing his dad, but he's playing his former OC. That's so cool. um he said, Yeah, man, it's pretty special for me. So T D and Joe, let's go dancing around the belt here. Uh coming up this Saturday, we have Troy will go to Kansas State. We have JMU going to UVA, Virginia. Texas State will travel to UT San Antonio. Marshall goes to East Carolina. Southeastern Louisiana travels to South Alabama. App State goes to Chapel Hill to play the Tar Heels. UAB will go to Statesboro to play Georgia Southern. Ooh la la will travel to Old Dominion. Jacksonville State will face the good guys. UConn at Georgia State. Memphis at Arkansas State. Lamar at ULM. And Southern Miss at Florida State. I think some of these are kind of easy, but I think some of these are going to be kind of challenging too. So oh, this is a tougher week, Chili. This, this is, is a, a week. week. This is, a, this is separation I mean, Saturday. This, this will be separation Saturday because they're about a handful, five or six. I have no idea. I'm going to make some picks here. Yeah. <laughs> Forthwith, I have no clue which way I'm going at the moment. Give me a shout out there last week to Texas State. I know. Before we, before we make these picks this week, shout out to yeah. the Bobcats. Congratulations to the Texas State Bobcats. G.J. Kenny going to Baylor and picking up a win, a Power 5 win. Well, I feel good for those guys. You know, they have been down, beaten. It's been tough for them, but they go and get a great win under their first-year head coach. Congratulations to them. So, we'll see what they can they do. Come they, too, they come to us, too, Joe. I know. Hey, <laughs> yeah, they do. Uh -huh, Let me uh -huh. tell you something. Finley, look, look, that, that crowd could be like 6-2, and 7-2, whatever that is, before they get to us. That could be a – look, that Texas State, Marshall, JMU – Three, you know, three out of the last five weeks at home. Those games could be extremely important games for our season. I mean, they all are. I know that. I get it. But you get my point, gentlemen. That could be an interesting game at home. For the first time, Texas State and Coastal, it, it could be very, very interesting. So, uh, TD, Joe, JMU and Virginia. I'm going to say Virginia. I'm going to say Virginia loses to JMU. Yeah, I'm going J. I'm going JMU as well. I am going to go Virginia because there's no way you're going to beat the Cavaliers their first home game since last season. Hmm. Think about that. 
Uh, yeah, but never mind. Okay. I, Troy, I, I like JMU on that one. Troy at Kansas State. I'm going to go K State. I'm going Troy. I'm going to go K State. Oh, TD's picking with me. Good man. Texas State at UTSA. Texas State will lose to UTSA, even though I just sung their praises. I'm going UTSA also. TD. Hmm. He hasn't called timeout yet, Joe. I didn't call timeout. No, I'm That's just I'm thinking because both of you went that way. So I, do, do I want to make that my swing game this week where it could come back to help me out? I'm going to go Texas State. There he is. The gambler. Marshall. At East Carolina, oh, man, that's a, that, here's, that's a here's one of these. And I was, I, you know, another one I was grinding over this week. Um, I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to say East Carolina loses to Marshall. I'm going with Marshall too. I'm going with Marshall as well. Southeastern Louisiana, <clears throat> excuse me, at South Alabama. South Alabama. Sealy will lose to South Al. App State travels to Chapel Hill. I'm going Tar Heels. Tar Heels. App State loses to North Carolina, who is now without Tez Walker for the season. UAB at Georgia Southern. Joe, that didn't seem to stop them versus the other. That's no, true. It sure did. It didn't slow them down. The well, other I'm Carolina. Better defense. I'm UAB will lose to Georgia Southern. I'm gonna go Georgia Southern. They're at Same home. Here. I think Clay Helton's done a real good job. You got to give credit where credit's due, man. The East is going to be tough again, man. Yes, it is. This is going to be tough again. And I look, I'm telling you, I, I think George, George Southern's going to win that game. We got Ula La going to ODU. Now, here's the most fascinating game on the board of the week because it's a conference matchup in week number two, right? I mean, almost never do you see the Sun Belt setting up a conference matchup this early in the season. And, you know, I, I don't, I, you know, who knows? This is a total toss-up to me. I'm going to say, because they've got to go all the way to Norfolk, I'm going to say that Louisiana will lose to Old Dominion. Oh, ODU is a winner. TD. I'm going with, uh, what, what do they say down there? Culture. Yeah, then they spill it with a capital UL. I got you. UL. Yeah, I'm going to go with culture over ODU. Well, I'm picking culture, too, then. We're a part of the culture club. We're all picking the shots over the diet gamecocks. Mm -hmm. At Georgia State. I'm going UConn. I am too. Georgia State yeah, will going, lose to UConn. I'm going UConn as well. There we go. UConn do that. Memphis and Arkansas Memphis. State. Memphis. It's gonna man. Butch all Jones right. may get fired, but he may get fired by week four or five, man. I don't know what the buyout is, don't have a clue. But they're a twenty-one. They're they're a twenty-one point dog at home to Memphis. And how bad, how bad is that? Oh, I mean, how far has that program fallen since we joined this conference, dude? Arguably, they were the most talented, had the biggest and best dudes of anybody in the league when we when you know, when we came in. They I were know, a G five darling. I know that was in the midst of App State getting, you know, they got cranked up when we came in. But I'm going to tell you this, Arkansas State looked the most impressive team, in my opinion, when we came into this league six years ago, seven years ago. I mean, but now, God, I mean, they're just miserable. 
I mean, how do you, how the, do you seven? I mean, seventy-three to nothing. Yeah, Good heavens, man. Arkansas I mean, State will lose to Memphis. So if I'm yes. reading the three of us correctly, I, I think we're all in agreement that Memphis will win that ball game. Is that, is that what I'm reading? Okay, that's yep. what I think is going to happen. <laughs> okay, um, Lamar versus ULM. I'm going ULM. I believe in Bowden. Hey, they had, over, they had good. They had a good one over Army. Congratulations to they them. Did. I picked Army to win that game, and they didn't. The Black Knights didn't come through. Lamar will lose to ULM. Yeah. Yep. Last game on the list is uh, Southern Miss at Florida State. Now, the last time they got together, that was a big upset for Southern Miss, but that was also what two de- decades ago. Yeah, nothing gonna happen. This Doesn't time. count. Yeah, no, that was back in the leather helmet days, man. Southern Miss will <laughs> lose to Florida State. Yeah. No, I mean, it's FSU's FSU's in better footing. They've been in four, five, six years, man. Yes, they are. So, um, TD, as we move toward the uh, end of the show here, TD, I got to ask you a question. Are you thinking of relocating or maybe selling your house? Maybe your job, Joe, has changed, and it's time for you to pull up roots and move on. Well, let the fine folks at Rich Rod Moving Company go to work for you. Are you in the midst of a job change in Morgantown, West Virginia, and maybe moving to Ann Arbor, Michigan? Well, let Rich Rod help. Do you find another need to move from Ann Arbor to Tucson, Arizona? Well, Rich Rod is going to be there for you too. How about a move to New York for a little while? Maybe work for CBS? No? Or how about a move from there to Jacksonville, Alabama? Rich Rod will pave the way for you. Let the fine folks at Rich Rod Moving Company go to work for you today. They have tons of experience in moving around the country and will be happy to make your move the best it can be. That's Rich Rod Moving Company. Give them a call today. That's pretty good, Chili. Thank That's you. pretty good. Worked pretty really good. Hard on that one. So That's let's look at good. some Twitter polls. We've got some really interesting information from our fans this week. I got to share this with you. all I looked at the polls and a lot of them finalized just this, this morning. And this is pretty cool. So um, one of the polls we asked that ended a couple of days ago was in the wake of the UCLA game, UCLA is blank. And your choices were a Pac-12 contender, nine to 10 wins, seven or eight wins, six wins or less. Um, the winner in that one, y'all, was seven to eight wins by our fans by 39%. 37% said nine to 10 wins. TD, 9% of them said they were a Pac 12 contender. I think they will be, man. I really do. Um, I agree. I think they're going to be top three. They're going to contend for it. And it's not because they beat us. It's not because they've, in time, look, that Pac 12. Um, Probably, it's crazy to say this, the Pac-12 could ultimately have one of its best years in the better part of a decade, and then they're going to break the band up at the end of this year, man. They literally could have one of the best years. You know, they went undefeated. They were the only Power Five conference that went undefeated weekend, like the first weekend. I mean, I look, for whatever that means, um, I do think UCLA is a contender. Um, that that conference, especially top four or five, they they're right there, man. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if their offensive line comes together, okay, they they've got a Rolls Royce running back and that Carson Steele kid who was one of the top running backs in the country last year. He transferred in, stirred him up the wideout from Cal, big time player, and they've got a Rolls Royce five star twirler out there who can sling it. I mean, 
Yeah, talk about that 62-yard touchdown pass all you want. The most impressive throw he made to me was on the run. We flushed him out. He's rolling out yep. to the right on the run. We got him on the run. He goes, whoop, 30 yards down the field, right on the money, the Sturdivant. And I, I think I looked at Lane and I thought, ooh, ooh. you know, it's like, <laughs> you see that? I mean, they've got a guy that can play. And if they put him in, Chip Kelly says, okay, you're our guy, they're going to win a lot of games. And hey, and here's the thing: it wasn't terrible coverage either. No, right? that's what I'm like, saying. It, it, it was, was not terrible coverage. It, well, we it, had a guy right there for a scramble drill for him to have to find that route, uh, or not that route, that that you know that valve at the very top, top in that back third of a scramble drill, and the way he flicked it. I mean, that's why he was one of the top five quarterbacks in the country coming out last mm -hmm. year. That's why he's going to start mo in pending injury. I hope him nothing but the best, but. When that kid made that play, again, I've referenced earlier, that was one of the two plays that he made. I went, hmm, that's why he's – that's why he was a top-five quarterback. And you just have a look at it. That's where you tip the cap again. That had nothing to do with our defense. That kid just made a play. And mm -hmm. the fact that we made him scramble around and, and, and ultimately throw it up top, and he threw it – it reminds me – I'll tell you what it reminded me of a little bit. I still think McCall's throw was better. It reminded me of that throw two years ago up at App State. When McCall dropped that dime in to Highly on the sideline with double coverage, yep. it wasn't as tight as that, but it still had that. Whoa! How did tight. that ball? How did that ball get there? Todd, how did that right. ball get there? Talent. You can't teach that. <laughs> you can't teach that. Yeah, you know, That's, you can't teach that. So, um, what was the other poll questions, Chili? I got I got a couple more to share with you. Best performance from UCLA. Your three choices were Clayton Isbell, Sam Pinkney, or Jared Brown. Seventy percent Clayton Isbell all the way. Post UCLA, how you feeling, Teal Nation? Your four choices were optimistic, nervous, need to see more, or negative. Uh, thankfully, nervous and negative were tied for last. Both of them had four percent <laughs> each. So need to see more. Understandable, thirty-one percent. But optimistic, yeah. our fan base is sixty percent optimistic. And I want to point this out to you that that Twitter question, that Twitter poll, I guess we're calling it X now, not Twitter. But that question is the highest all-time vote getter in Strut Podcast poll history. Good. We had well over 200 people vote in that poll. And of those people who voted, and TD, I know you're interested in this too, there was over 2,000 impressions on that question. And 60% of the people who voted in that one question are optimistic about our season going forward. And I agree 100% with those people who voted as optimistic because I think that all three of us tonight are optimistic. And one throwaway question I had, and I'll wrap this part of it up, is what was your favorite movie that was based on Los Angeles? Mm. Your four choices were L.A. Story with Steve Martin many, many years ago, L.A. Confidential, Big Lebowski, or Boys in the Hood. I'm going to go yeah. Big Lebowski. Joe, what you got? Uh, Boys in the Hood. Well, Boys in the Hood was the winner. 53% voted for Boys in the Hood. Second was Big Lebowski with 33. L.A. Confidential, the one I actually was my favorite one, got 13%. L.A. Story got zero. Wow. So there's that. I don't even, I'm going to have to be outside date myself. I'm 39. I don't even know what, the, I don't even know what L.A. Story is about, man. It was a Steve I know it's Martin about a story in L.A., movie. but uh, yeah, well, it was pretty Steve funny. Martin's pretty funny, dude. Steve Martin's pretty funny. Hey, here's my thing, real quick though. Before we before we get segue away from this, 
for everybody who took the time to vote, for everybody who took the time to post, repost, comment, like, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your engagement. We have come so far in two years, man. We've put those polls out, and we'd get a good response. But, you know, I, I, if I remember correctly, all of them had anywhere from 100 to 200 votes, if I remember correctly. And, that look, that's awesome. Hey, that is for y'all. Till Nation and, and, and Strut Nation, thank you. From all three of us, thank you. I mean, that's that's the engagement that we're looking to build on, man. Double that, triple that, quadruple that uh, during our time doing this. So thank you so much for that. Got two last things and we'll be done. Uh, the Morpheus Report this week, Joe and TD. Your Sean and Clears will be sporting. Are you ready? Should I build it up in? Well, well they, they kind of released it earlier today, but go ahead. Well, I like announcing it. <laughs> Let me get the bleed thing. Yeah. Hey, the, now granted, uh, if, this, if this was Wednesday, then we'd be fine. Fair, yeah. fair point. Fair point. Okay. Fair point. Well, you know what? I'm pretending it's Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday. Black helmet, teal jersey, teal bridges. If you I love the all teal look, man. I like it too. I, like I, just, I just wish we had white numbers on those teal jerseys. I knew Joe white was going to say the white numbers, man. I, I knew we Joe had was white numbers white. on those things. I'll be honest with you. I was hoping, since it's a teal out, I'm going to be honest. I was hoping we'd come in teal, black, and teal. I always think that's a great look. I don't get into that whole garbage about we're zero and two or one and two, and we. I don't. I don't subscribe to that crap. They, you know, they practiced a lot this. Uh, this preseason in those teal helmets. They're going to bust those thing out. When they wear the teal helmets with the white face mask and the black tops and the teal bottoms, that's a sweet look, man. Or when they go teal helmets and all white, that's a sweet look too. I don't care about was, the garbage with the whole rigmarole with the teal and all that jazz. I want one of those, for me personally, I want one of those white helmets with the old school cornflake logo. In man, I told – That's what I I have want. begged. I, I have begged. Can we please – that should be a homecoming staple. I just I wish the logo was about. I wish the logo was about twenty percent bigger, like a little bit of enlarged, and then that man, that would be great. That'd be awesome. Um, TD, one last thing, and we'll call it a night. Joe, do you know what what time it is? <laughs> is it time for some TD trivia? Oh ah, man, stump TD, huh? All right, it's, uh, here we go. Time for TD and two other guys to wrap the show up. So, oh, TD, on September 21st, 2013, mm -hmm. one team set the record for most rushing attempts in one game versus our beloved shots. This team we're talking about had 69 rushing attempts. TD, name the team. See, they're one of two teams. In 2013, we were FCS. Alex Ross was the quarterback. He's good. I think it was. I think it was in the playoffs. Not in September. It wouldn't be. Oh, you said September. September. Then, oh. And then there's um, that. Yeah. Well, that was good, Joe. Good job. He was doing this. September 21st. I, September I see. 21st. I'm, I'm not. I'm not pulling anything up here to try. I'm trying to remember this too. I'm trying to remember how that season went. Well, Joe, you've got a question after this too. Remember, you get one also. This is oh, true. Right. This is true. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I'm this trying to, I'm trying, without even pulling anything up, I'm trying to remember who. It was 2013, Alex Ross, early in the season, 2013. That was the year that, that was the year, no, that was the year before we went 12 and We 2 won the game. I can tell you that. We, we won the I know, game. We, 
right we didn't, we didn't lose until november of that year that's correct that's correct because we started out like nine and zero. Yeah, like a third um like that it was either so they did against either, us they did that against us yes correct so it's either the citadel vmi hold on just I've got nowhere else to go to. Um, man, it wasn't Colgate because Colgate's the year we lost in that crazy last play, last second play. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm a all right, 60. How many, how many, how many carries now? 69 carries. Um, let me ask you this: Was it a conference opponent at the time, or was it non-conference? Give, give me a little, give me a little help. Non-conference. That doesn't help at all. Um, you asked for the, you asked for the hint. <laughs> Joe's looking it up. Know. Yeah, he's curious. I'm not gonna look it. I got my hands right on my laptop. I'm not. I'm really not. I'm, I'm right now. Uh, I'm, I'm not looking anything up. I'm, I'm trying. Was it home or away? Was it home, home. or away? Who did we play after Eastern Kentucky that year? That's who it was, but I can't think of who it was without looking it up. Somebody North Carolina, North, North Carolina A and T. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you that ain't them. That's your final answer. Final, final answer. Because I, I, I mean, that's people are listening to this podcast, Joe, pulling their cars over, waiting for the uh, for the build. No, I doubt it. One. Who is TD? It? Strut Nation, Teal Nation, me and the other guy. The answer is Hampton. It wasn't MEAC school, though. I, dude, I was thinking. What, what was the date of that? What was the date of that, Chilling? September 21st. September 21st, 2013. I pulled this one out of Chilly. the media guide, by the way, too. I downloaded that the other day, and it's been very helpful in, the, in these questions for this. Before we get off, remind me, there's two very monumental things from a historical perspective. I want to make sure I touch That's on them by September 7th. I was like, we played Hampton in 2013. I guess we did. That's crazy. Yep. Remind me of those two things at the very end, but Joe, I'm interested. Please deliver the question, Chili, to Joe, the Nexus, the info. Yeah, Joe, uh, your question this week is, can you name one of the two CCU colors? <laughs> you got to begin this week. <laughs> man, that's, you just asked that's, some, this time, Joe. Some, that's some bull jive, man. <laughs> we gave him the old shuck and jive again this, this week, too. <laughs> did y'all, did y'all just put a little giant like, like, annexation, a Puerto Rico play on me? That's, that, that's funny. That's hilarious. Hey, guys, you know, we, we cannot sign off. I know this was the last thing. We cannot sign off on this date that we're recording this without remembering yeah. what happened on this date 12 years ago. Yep. Hey, <laughs> am I, am, am I stealing your thunder TD? Am I stealing? Okay, I'll, I'll give before it to you. Before we then. get off, we got to have more dogs. <laughs> 12 cats live gotta, across my street, TD. They live right dogs, across hey. the street from me over there. And I got a screen hey, door, was, and it won't, it won't open, you know? Y'all know where I live. Hey, I'm on the corner of Collins and 9th in downtown Astoria, <laughs> Conway. As the crow flies, not even a half a mile from here, over there uh, in a little bit of uh, the Marywood Circle area, you know, 12 cats live across the street. Bo's in the house. Cats trying to get in the house. Trying to get in the house. Bo's trying to. Mel's we, over we here. Trying to get we, we can't even do it justice. You know, what we are you doing, little kitty cat? Yeah, cat. We, we need more. We're over there messing with our wristbands. We, you know, how I look good, you know, and all how that. Trying to get our goes, kids to golf we, tournament. 
Try, trying to get our kids to the golf. We need more dogs. We need more dogs. Oh, hey, by the way, also, too, same thing happened that year, which I can't remember what day it was on. I don't want to spoil it, but who's on them blogs? Who's <laughs> on them blogs? Here's what's bad about that is I was actually on one of those blogs on on a website. <laughs> we we might who's on them blogs? <laughs> That was an 08, though. That, that was yeah. that was an that was yeah. an 08 thing. Who was on them blogs? Oh, the, the last thing though, September seventh, today, and we've got audio from Joe Moglia and audio from uh, Doctor Benson, and I've got audio from Tim Beck. Um, that today was a very special day. In all sincerity and seriousness, we're in the show on a, on, a, on a really cool note. The twenty plus million dollar indoor facility we broke ground today. I was part of that as an alumni board member, higher education commission member. Um, and, um, also, um, uh, former, obviously a former student athlete, football player. Uh, we were invited to, uh, to be a part of that. Uh, two things. One, uh, the funniest thing I heard was, I think Matt Hoke said that everybody's on a play clock cause it was hotter than 40 hells outside. And then two, that was pretty funny. Chili, you can go believe it, but that's funny. He did. He goes, all right, everybody's going to be on a play clock up here. He goes, it's a rolling clock, two minutes, new rule and all that. Everybody kind of started laughing. He goes, everybody's going to be up here, but, um, it was well done uh kudos to everybody at the university I, I if i if i go to mention everybody's name i'm going to forget somebody but september 7th today commemorates the two things we kicked off our first football game 21 years ago this day and two we commemorate no i take that back that was the sixth but sixth. today's the seventh say the, the sixth. sixth yeah the sixth thank you september 6th is we kicked off our first game 21 years ago but i'm taking away from it now forgive me but 20 plus million dollar Conway Medical Center, Joe Mowgli, and other donors. It is a student athlete uh, facility. Yes, it's an indoor facility. Yes, it'll be turf. But the the College of Human Health Performances with Conway Medical Center is going to be utilizing that for what they do from a curriculum perspective. The student athletes are going to be there. They're going to break ground hopefully between now and the, end of the year. I think it's a give or take an 18, 24 month project. They're going to move the road. But there were a lot of dignitaries. There was a lot of students. There was actually a lot of students out there that uh, saw this well attended and uh gentlemen I, I sent y'all the audio from that i also have some pictures but again we have audio from dr benson joe moglia tim beck that i was able to get and uh very proud moment um it was it was really cool when you come up to brook stadium when you come to the brook when you, if you when you turn in when you come down 544 because they block off the road i think it's like six hours for game time you on the very back of the scoreboard now gentlemen there's a complete rendering of what that'll look like in its finished product, which is really cool. They want people to see that. They want the community to see that. So really proud moment, really uh, um, another um, another historical day for this university, this community, and this program. This should be like a, a week, like the first week of full week of September is like a teal week when it comes to coastal history where you got – the first game on the sixth, cats and dogs, and then there's a groundbreaking happening on September seventh. That's all like historic coastal sports week. This first full we week. We need of more September. dogs. We need more dogs. TD, right now, I need more shots up so we can wrap this sucker up. What you got? Hey, teal cheeks in teal seats at the brook. If you ain't there, where where, where the hell are you? Joe, what time is the pregame show? Great pregame show on the Sean Clear Sports Network from Van Wagner. We'll start at 5.30 for the 7 o'clock kickoff. We'll have some stuff out in Teal Town. We'll have Chris Bergen and Joe Katz out there broadcasting for the first hour 
of our pregame show. So go up and say hi to them. Hopefully the rain will hold off and we'll have a great pregame show and we'll kick this thing off. Catch us on Hot Talk 99.5. Yep. Hey, I talked to Epi Atrowski today. The weather's going to come in before about 2 and it's going to it's going to gradually taper off very very fast until kickoff. Matter of fact, come kickoff, it's it it should look very beautiful out actually. Not clear skies but partly cloudy about high of like 84 or 5. Humidity's going to be low up, but man, he uh he texted me at the ice house said, "Hey, how's it going to look?" But hey, catch Joe before the game. Catch the Strut podcast. I'll be out there. I'll have hats for sale and uh next week, the next home game we're going to have hats fitness tees and the decals so strutties come on by we're in the till lot i'm going to wish my wife happy birthday this coming saturday as well that's important and td speaking of the weather my uncle used to have a saying about that that weather coming up there's 100 chance that we're actually going to have it i like <laughs> Shots it shots up shots up Strut Nation. Gear up for this season at the Strut Store. At the Strut Store, you can find koozies, mugs, shirts, tailgating and game day supplies, and so much more. The Strut Store will allow you to customize merchandise any way you want. Just visit www.zazzle.com slash store and shop away with weekly discounts. There's an easy way to support Coastal Carolina's source for Sean and Clear Athletics. That's zazzle.com slash store slash the strut store to support the strut. While there, don't forget to follow the store for updates, discount information, and notifications when new items are available. www.zazzle.com slash store slash the strut store is your source for the Strut merchandise. Come by and see us today. The Strut would not be possible without the generosity of our newest friends of the show. Strut Nation thanks you for your support. Dan Sign Realty, CCU Class of 2001. Dan Sign at Dunes Realty Sales is Realty Done Right. Hanley's Pub, Andrew Hanley, CCU Class of 2002, the official pub of the Strut Podcast and is located in Carolina Forest. We will CCU at your local pub, Hanley's in Carolina Forest. Dr. David Turner, Doctor of Chiropractic, CCU Class of 1997 of Impact Chiropractic. He's been practicing in Conway for 20 years. Dr. Turner believes in a proactive, wellness-based approach to achieving optimal health and function for the entire family. At Impact Chiropractic, we work hard to grow healthy kids rather than fixed, damaged adults. Bob Baldwin, CCU Class of 2011. When you think coastal and your marketing needs, think Coastal Marketing. Go see Bob Baldwin at Coastal Marketing. Coastal Marketing is the official merchandise supporter of the Strut Podcast.